Buzz. Buongiorno. Hmm? Hey. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And today we're talking about weather manipulation per the topic submitted into the vase a very long time ago by our dear listener Carson in Texas. Wait, weather manipulation? Yeah. I, th- I saw abbreviated as weather man, and so I just looked up local weatherman. Alex, oh my God. <laughs> Alex's whole bit's on Willard Scott. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Al Roker. He's got a tiny little bit on Al Roker. I'm tired, guys. Um, I'm sorry for the worst joke you've probably ever heard in your life. I stayed up late with Gwen, so I'm just tired. He's tired. I'm tired. James, are you tired? I'm fired up. Well, yeah, this, oh. you're killing me with this energy over here, Cece. What is this whole hum attitude over here? I'm tired, but at least I'm trying to make bad jokes. I think. What are you doing over there? I think that, sucking the energy from me. Listen, like a, like a vampire, Colin Robinson <laughs> from what we do in the shadows. I think that my brain wow. has just gone into goo mode. It always has been. It's gone, at, Alex. <laughs> it's gone into goo mode because I of my topic that I looked into for this episode. It hurt your head. Yes. And I'll you tell need to you about it. better like I do and smoke crystal before each recording. <laughs> <laughs> James, you silly goose. Mm-hmm. No. Now I know. Yeah, now now we know why James knows so much and speaks with so much confidence. Can you imagine an after school special like that? Oh my god. <laughs> no. This episode brought to you by your local meth dealer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. we do not condone do not. or recommend anyone partake in we, the we, awful <laughs> substance that is meth. We don't we don't I might actually touch upon that later on. Huh? Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> nice little tie-in. I can't wait. Um, do you guys want some hearty hellos? Sure. All right, you guys. Today we're going to give a hearty hello to the beautiful India. Oh, yes. Hello, India. Hello, India. And then we're also going to say Thank hello. You, India. We're keep keep along with the i <laughs> the i names. Uh, Ireland. Oh. We're also going to give a hearty hello to Ireland, and then here in the States, Indiana. And hello, Indonesia, yeah. and Iraq. We don't have any listeners <laughs> in Iraq at the moment, but Indonesia is on the list, so hello to everybody in Indonesia. Okay. So, yeah, wherever you're listening around the globe, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you want to submit a topic into the vase, guess what? You can do it. By submitting your request either to us on our email address, 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. That's the number one, the number three, TH Floor Podcast. Or you can also send it to James on social media, 13 Floor Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. James, where do most people reach out to us from? Um, it's a pretty big mix. Patrons reach out on Patreon, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, regular listeners, Facebook, Instagram. So email. Like, yeah, it's it's a real mixed bag. And, you know, if you're a patron and you're listening to our bonus content, you also get all of your topics put into the priority Patreon vase, yeah. which we draw from once a month. Yep. So, Fast track to getting your message or your yes. e- 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 episode. Or your topic. Yeah, topic. Yes. There we go. Oh, wow. James was at a loss for words. Did you that hear that? It was that mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, James, do we have an icebreaker today? Um, we sure do. It's a 
It's a silly short question, but I want you to elaborate. So that's where, where it becomes more icebreakery. And that Uh-oh. is, what is your favorite season of the year? And this is the kicker. Mm. Why? <laughs> oh, oh. oh, wow. Bringing out the Supreme Court questions. I like it. Wow. Now, this is a challenge because there are merits in every single season, in Precisely. my opinion. Mm. Yeah. They're few and far between for some It of depends. Them. For me, it depends <laughs> upon what factors I'm looking into. Like, probably overall, my favorite season would have to be summer just because I like the beautiful weather. I like to go outside and spend time in the sunlight. Mm. It's green, which is my favorite color. So it's like summer's a really hard hitter for me, but also I just like the the clothes that I get to wear and the food I get to eat more in fall. Mm. Mm. Okay. okay. So maybe like right in between summer and fall. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's me. Alex, what about you? Me? Hands down summer. Mm. Everything is green. It might be a little brown because it might be a little too hot. That's okay. Because guess what you can do in the summer? You can go to the pool. You can enjoy the beach. You can do all kinds of things. You can wear booty shorts and no one's like laughing at you. Like, are you, are you cold? Are you both cold? I can wear <laughs> booty shorts whenever I want. And <laughs> so, first off, summer is wonderful. Fall is too unpredictable. One day you're wearing shorts, one day you're wearing long pants, but then it got hot at the end of the day. So now you're sweating, you got butt sweat, everyone can see it. This is coming from the guy who wears shorts year-round. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. I wore a jacket today, thank you. He wore a jacket today. It's the first time I've seen him wear a jacket in ages. No, this past weekend, James, when we were in Bowling Green and it was snowing, I have a video of this man out in the snow with his daughter wearing shorts. Not shocked. Yeah, it happened. So, anyway, oh all right, gosh. winter, everything is barren. It is miserable. The only time the winter is good is when there is snow on the ground and it wants to be played with, right? <laughs> That's the only time. But what about the food? What about the food? Who cares? I can get hot chocolate all year. It's the only time that I do, I, can, I feel like I can enjoy tea throughout the day, maybe, is like maybe the winter. But I'm coming around on tea even during uh, the summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. This year, especially, I'm kind of coming around on that. Mm-hmm. So... I, I'm I'm just not a big fan of it. And then spring, it's just rain. It's just rain. rain, rain, rain. <laughs> wow. No, I can't imagine when Alex is an old man. It's curmudgeonly. No. Just give me blazing hot summer. Give me that pool. Give me a light sunburn. And leave me be. I'll enjoy it. What about you, James? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I do like all the seasons. And uh, it is very... Difficult because one thing I love about the summer is, as you guys know, I love to, to grow things, and it's really nice to do so. And also, I like bugs, but at the end of summer, it's kind of like I get tired of it, like really tired of it. It's like, okay, I'm ready for winter. Uh, I like bugs, but there's too many of them. Time for them all to go to sleep. Time for for cold. And uh, so, so I always look forward to winter, and I, I like winter. So for me. The best time would be mid-May, which is spring. And here's why. One, all the pollen has wound down quite a bit. You know, April is the month when people think Mm. of spring and they're like miserable. So May, it's wound down. Now the the trees are less flowery and more leafy. And even better, they have those little young tender leaves that are just very pretty and lighter green. And 
mid-May is when, at least in Kentucky, that's when like you start hearing whippoorwills and crickets and tree frogs. And that's when the lightning bugs come out. And, and that's when, you know, you start noticing like, hey, the sun's been going down real late lately. Um, so for me, late spring, the cusp between spring and summer is just the best. Wow, James. You just voiced why summer is better because the sun is really staying out late. That's just it, though. It's not the sun's too going hot down like summer because I burn up. I can go out, do some things, take Gwen out, play. The winter, just five o'clock, just go to bed because guess what? You're going to be miserable the rest of the day because it's dark. It's yeah. dark outside. That's nice. You know, just get it's it. relaxing. I'm cozy. Yeah, desolate. I love it when during the day it's dark because it's cloudy, and then at night it's dark because, oh, I just got home from work. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He's got very strong opinions, James. So this was a good question to ask Alex. And you know what? I think it's going to be a really good question for you to post on our Instagram because I want to know what other people think. I want to know if there are other people out there who think like me, and it's like, you know, sweater weather, nice, you know? Pumpkin spice latte season. Yum. Oh, here's so the thing, though, Cece. You wear a sweater all year. Burr, 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 burr. I do. I get cold all year. I'm <laughs> cold all Take year that. round. But that's only because you keep <laughs> you keep the thermometer. The, the thermometer. thermometer. The wow. thermostat at like 60 degrees year round. 68. It's okay. not true, James. It's not I, true. I, I, I keep it at 65 because otherwise I, I'm, I I can't handle it. I, I, I evolved in an ice age. Climate. I like it, James. I dig it. If, if I could do sixty, if I could keep it sixty-five without hearing incessant complaining all the time. You See, this is the paradox, though, Alex. If sick. if you didn't have a thermostat, you'd be miserable in summer. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I like how like he didn't even <laughs> remotely debate that. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, you're absolutely right. If I didn't have air, if I didn't have modern day accoutrements, I'd be a winter man. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, you guys, yeah, please, please, please post on our Instagram post that James will be putting out about the weather because I want to know what other people think of this. Maybe next episode we'll read some of your responses because this has been a fun icebreaker, James. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking that. Um, but you know what I think it's time for? Weather manipulation. No, what is it? Weather manipulation. Uh, Time to chat about all those theories out there. And they're like, hey, they're controlling the weather. Who's going first today? Um, I think that James is, because James is talking about ancient forms of weather manipulation. Works for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, weather manipulation is not new. What's What's more debatable is how effective the old ways were. And I can answer that for you pretty well, which is to say... They weren't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, compared to space age technology, uh, festivals and rituals uh, didn't really do such a great job of manipulating the weather. That being said, people in ancient times, because they, they were in agrarian societies, they were very knowledgeable uh, about the movement of stars and planets, the um, overall relationship that the moon had with the earth in terms of uh, both tides and, and just overall patterns. And so understanding basic astronomy and meteorology was pretty common for, for, I mean, talking about your average Joe, your average person, your average peasant had a pretty decent understanding of weather patterns. And so if you were really good at understanding weather patterns, 
you could sort of, if, if, if you could be theatrical about it, you, you ceased to be a peasant and you started to be like a magus or a shaman or, or something to that effect. And so I'm just going to go over a few ancient weather modification attempts. Um, one very interesting example would be uh, the aquacilium which just means calling the waters in Latin. And that's what the, the Romans would do. And there's almost certainly a Greek uh, prereq- prerequisite. What is that called? Predecessor to the, <laughs> to the Roman attempt. So what they would do in times of drought, the pontifices, which is a kind of priestly person, um, what they would do is they would take a stone called the lapis manalis, which means water flowing stone. And they would, take it from a resting place in a temple, invoke Jupiter, sometimes Mars, but usually Jupiter. There's an interesting parallel there, but I'll tell, explain that in a minute. And they would pour water over it and petition for rain. So hopefully this would cause rain during a drought. Now, it's interesting to know, well, why would they invoke Jupiter sometimes and Mars at other times? Well, it's important to remember that for the Romans, Jupiter, the analog of Zeus, was the king of the gods. So it made sense that you'd be asking him, since he's in charge of the heavens, to bring rain. But why Why would they sometimes incorporate Mars into it? Well, you got to also remember that the weather plays a huge role in warfare and always has and always will. Huge, important component. So being able to call forth the rain in an important time could be the difference between winning or losing a war, for example, especially a war of attrition where you're running low on resources because rain hasn't fallen. And there's been a number of most rituals, in fact, I would argue, that involve controlling the weather is about invoking rain during times of drought. Every once in a while, you'll see rituals where they're trying to stop rain uh, in times of flooding. But more often than not, it's about ending a drought. And that makes very good sense because droughts can absolutely cripple empires based on you know, their reliance on agriculture to feed their people. And it's also important yeah. to note that in ancient times, there was a direct connection between a ruler and good weather, because you got to remember a ruler is chosen in some respects by the gods, whether that's a priestly caste ruler or a ruling class ruler. It sort of depends on, on the nature of that civilization. But if you have too many like really bad weather patterns, eventually the peasants are going to start murmuring to each other, hey, I don't think the gods are really like this person. Maybe we should cut their head off and put somebody else on the throne. And that was a genuine thing that happened. And another fun ritual <coughs> would be the Slavic ritual known as Dodola. And to elaborate a little further, Dodola is a, not just a rite. Dodola is also an individual. Dodola is a goddess, to be specific. Perun's wife. Perun is sort of an analog to Thor. Um, Slavic, though. Like like Cece's people. Um, and so Dodola, what she would do, according to, to their mythology, she had a bunch of cows, heavenly cows, in the clouds. And so when she milked them, it would rain. And sometimes she would milk them for a while. <laughs> and people would get nervous. <laughs> so what they would do is they would find... You some, sometimes a boy, but more often a girl who had been orphaned. And they would make her a skirt out of knitted vines and branches. And this would also include uh, a, a girl child who was born 
after the death of her father, which I find very interesting because in my own uh, background, you know, I've talked before about like hillbilly magic and root work and all that. And there's a lot of interesting superstitions that I grew up around where if a child was born after the death of their father, they could do certain things and take part in certain rituals that other people couldn't. And this is an example of that. So what they would do is they would, they would put them in, in that particular kind of clothing and they would sing and dance and they would stop at every house and at every house, it's kind of like trick or treat, except a lot more boring in that the uh, <laughs> the people at the house would just sprinkle water on that child. And ultimately, and sadly, because we don't have written music up until, I mean, good Lord, the, the medieval period, really, we don't actually know what the song sounded like because it's been lost. But we do know that villagers would follow the girl as she sang this particular mm. song and dance this particular dance. And yell out uh, blessings and, and and words of encouragement to her. So the whole Actually, point of this, I, I heard, huh? I heard a rumor that the oh, here we go song that is used <laughs> was uh, oh <laughs> very similar to Nicki Minaj's WAP. Ah, of course, <laughs> it's not wow. Nicki Minaj. Oh, wait. It's wait, hang on. I was about to it's, say yeah. it's Cardi B's WAP. Yeah. Oh my God, Lovely. Alex. Um, <laughs> dang it. Well, the point of the dance in the song was to get Dodala to take an interest and to start milking her cows. That was kind of the the whole shtick behind it. And and again, I could go on and on about rain rituals, but there's two other little minor things that I want to talk about. One that interests the crap out of me, and that would be the Tempest Starry. So if we break that word down, Tempest, Storm, Starry, magicians. So these were people who controlled the weather, magicians who controlled the weather. So People who thought someone was a Tempestari back in the day, they would they would often kill them because they believed it was demonic. And we have a really interesting record regarding Tempestari that defends them. And this is by the Bishop Agobard of Lyon, or Lyon, more accurately. Um, so this is this is his talk on it. <clears throat> Perhaps the ones who attribute the making of hail to men would say that Moses reached a step up to heaven, and in this sense. The storm was sent by human agency, but certainly Moses, the servant of God, was good and righteous. But these people do not dare to say that these so-called storm makers are good and righteous, but rather that they are evil and unrighteous, deserving of temporal and eternal condemnation. Nor are they servants of God, except perhaps by circumstance, rather than willing service. For if there were men who could cause hail in imitation of Moses, surely wouldn't they be servants of God rather than servants of the devil? So it goes on. But the point is, this guy, uh, who is a flipping bishop, his argument is weather control is a miracle, and miracles come through God, which means that miracle workers are saintly, and therefore no witch or wizard who is in the service of the devil could be capable of such a thing. So that's the Tempestari. For most people, they are regarded as, you know, demonic, witchy people who need to be burned. But according to this bishop, they are good people who are being wrongly persecuted because they are in fact saintly by nature. So I thought that was cool. Tempestari. Tempestari. Yeah. Lastly, I want to talk about one of my favorite people in general. Um, he was real, but like most of the stuff about him is fictional, but I still think he's flipping cool. And then is Zhuge Liang. So Zhuge Liang is part of one of my favorite stories ever, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And he performed a ritual called Borrowing the East Wind. So this is what happened. There's this battle, right? Big, right. important battle. <laughs> I like to set up. <laughs> Big, important battle, right? 
And the wind was an important component of it because, well, mainly because it was naval in nature. So he does this ritual, right? Black magic looking spooky stuff. He's lighting incense. He's burning things. Smoke's going up into the sky. He's dancing around on this boat. He's drumming. He's doing all sorts of weird, spooky things. And the enemy army is watching him do these weird, spooky things. And boom, (laughs) wouldn't you know it, the wind changed in the favor of Liu Bei's army. That's Zhuge Liang's, uh, his commander, in other words. Yeah, the, the whole... Romans of the Three Kingdoms is about these three rival kingdoms, and the quote-unquote good guy in the story is Liu Bei. Uh, but anyway, so what's cool about this story is you can interpret it the way I just described it, which is that Zhuge Liang was a wizard, and he was a like a Taoist hermit who knew about all sorts of cool stuff, and that would absolutely include magic. But there's a more logical story behind this that I love a lot more because it does, it shows how war never changes. War never changes. Um, and that, <laughs> and that is what he was really doing is Yuga Leong was also a meteorologist. He knew that the wind was going to change that day. So he does all this to make the enemy army think, Oh my God, this dude's magic. And he just made the wind change and, you know, huge morale drop. And, of course, they did end up winning that battle. So what's really cool about that is it kind of reminds me of in World War II when uh, Churchill basically made like a fake army, <laughs> like like a bunch of equipment and stuff that from, from aerial photos look real, but they're just little propped up pieces of plastic. It's kind of like that. Like it's all just fog of war, manipulating your enemy's mind so that they make the wrong decisions so that you make the right decisions and win. So that's an example, borrowing the East Wind. That's the name of his little ritual. What's brilliant about it is it's it's not really weather manipulation. It's psychological manipulation. Hmm. That's all I got. I like it, James. I feel like that's something that could easily be used today. Oh, 100%. Yeah, well. You know what? How about I dive into my topic next? Yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> All right, let me load my computer. Okay. So, I am talking about the facility that some people claim can control the weather, and that is HARP. H-A-A-R-P. And I got a lot of my information today from a guy named Phil Shilato with CuriousDroid.com. I watched a video on YouTube that he made, and then I also read on his website, curious-droid.com. So, uh, HARP, it actually, it stands for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. And it is a facility located in Gakona, Alaska. And the reason I'm talking about it again is because people, there are a lot of people out there who seem to think this place is used to control the weather. And Louise... Louise is doing the rounds, man. She's doing the rounds. Mm, You might hear her... Chewing on her toy turtle here in a minute, but mm. she's big into it. So if you hear some crinkling, just mm. know we're not wearing paper suits over here. It's wheezy. It's wheezy and her her crinkly turtle. Okay, so anyways, um, some people also think that harp, and I, I didn't realize this. I thought that harp was just mainly people were like, oh, they can manipulate the weather. But some people also think that harp can control our brains <laughs> from mm-hmm. afar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can disrupt worldwide communications, which seems more reasonable than anything else. And that they 
this place, in my opinion, is like the true tinfoil hat stuff. Like that's the mm-hmm. kind of the conspiracy theories that it spurred. I do think it's a little creepy that it's a British company that sort of runs it, even though it's associated with the U.S. Anyway, sorry, keep going. James. <laughs> Scary. That's what just James just said. I didn't say it. James did. James did. No, no. The parties behind Harp, they say that it's used for, it's actually used by several countries, as as James kind of mentioned. There are like lots of countries around the world that carry out research here. But it's jointly funded by the U.S. Air Force, the U.S. Navy, DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and then the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And in 2014, ownership of the facility was actually transferred to the uh, uh, university entirely. So, James, are you telling me that that university is funded by the British? Yeah, the subcontractor was uh, Bay Systems, which is British. Bay. Yeah, I know. I I thought about making a Bay joke. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, anyway, if you read any of their documentation on the facility, it's used to study the ionosphere which is like a layer of atmosphere about 30 to 600 miles above the surface of the earth. We live in the troposphere, Alex. Did you know that? Uh, yes. No, I do. Now you do. They, they primarily use this facility to study how space weather can affect radio communications here on earth, because certain events can definitely affect like our comms, like solar storms, for example. Mm. Do you remember in our last weather manipulation episode, I talked about the Carrington event Yeah, how freaky that is. Looking forward to the next one. James, you can quit that. (laughs) But also they, they also have researched how to like send comms underneath water to communicate with submarines and things like that. So it's basically you guys, and this is why it melted my brain. It's a lot of physics, protons and electrons and all (laughs) of that fun stuff. I, I, as I was doing this, it was like my brain just powered down. Mm. It's like just pew. <laughs> That's the noise <laughs> that my up. brain made. Yeah. Um, but I did really appreciate the video from Curious Droid. It was tremendously informative, even if I did not understand half of the stuff they were saying. But there are two big reasons that some people reckon that Harp controls the weather. And the first being that at this facility, they use this thing called the ionospheric research instrument. Bum, bum, bum. Sounds creepy, right? Yeah, I like it. Well, from what I could gather, it's like this big ray thingy. And <laughs> technical name. They, ray thingy. They use it to study how the sun may affect things. And something incredible about this piece of equipment is that people point to its power output, okay? <laughs> there are two different power output numbers that people point to as evidence of weather manipulation at the site. The first being that the facility output, uh, which per Curious Droid video is 3.6 megawatts. That's the most that the system can supposedly transmit. But then there's another output that people are like, hey, what about the ERP, a.k.a. effective radiated power output? It's much higher. It's 5.8 gigawatts, which is an insane amount of power, you guys. Did you know that? Uh, It sounds like a lot. It's a lot. Okay, gigawatts is a lot. Sorry. Giga? You know. No. James? Don't, Don't say Giga. From uh, James. from uh, Back to the Future. Oh my gosh! I you know I've I haven't seen that movie in it's been a long years. time. Yeah. We're watching the Matrix right now. We're going through all the Matrix movies. Uh, Those have been fun. Me and Callie reviewed the Matrix. You and Callie reviewed the Matrix yeah, for uh, Foodies Reviewing Movies podcast. Oh my goodness! Well, we'll have to listen to that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, and what's her what's her podcast called again? Foodies Reviewing Movies. You guys check it out. So. Our good friend Callie, who's actually been a guest on the show. Yeah. 
has uh, she's the leader of that podcast. So definitely take a listen. You can also hear James talk about movies and food and all the fun stuff. But anyways, okay. So back to the gigawatts, not the gigawatts, as James says. <laughs> the biggest power plant in the U.S. can only transmit about three point nine gigawatts, and that's I think in like Arizona or something. Hmm. So. 5.8 gigawatts is said to be impossible. Some people are like, oh, you transmit 3.6 and then 5.8 gigawatts comes into play. Mm-hmm. And they're like weather manipulation because of all of these crazy numbers out there when it comes to the power. Right. There's no other explanation for That's why a, they would need yeah. it. <laughs> it's a big discrepancy. Well, 5.8 figure is supposedly just a fictional figure used by engineers to say how powerful the transmissions would need to be to cover the whole sky versus just a specific uh, area of the sky with their little uh, ionospheric uh, inst- instrument, the research instrument. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's very scientific, you guys. Uh, yeah. So... That's one reason that people are like, oh, harp controls the weather. Okay. And the second thing, and I'm not going to dive into the logistics of this one at all because it's just like us over my head. But, and also I don't want to bore anybody who's listening to this because it's like cyclotrons and plasma and oscillation. That's (laughs) most of our audience's favorite things. So please go into detail. Oh my gosh. Well, you guys, (laughs) curious-droid.com. outlines all of it but no in reality this is probably why weather and mind manipulation are probably associated with harp and there was a physicist named bernard eastland who worked for this company called arco and he filed and was granted a patent in 1987 for something he called the quote method and apparatus for altering a region in the earth's atmosphere ionosphere and or magnetosphere (laughs) which sounds a bit weird right Yeah, and in his patent, he had some crazy claims, some outrageous claims, like, you could use this device to disrupt communications around the Earth, or make planes and satellites fall from the sky, or you could control the weather, or scramble people's brains with ELF waves. Fun. Yes. And that's per CuriousDroid.com again. But they also claim that in order for this apparatus to actually work, it would require 100 gigawatts of power, which to put that into perspective power-wise, it's about 9% of the U.S.'s total electrical power capacity of 100. Just a little bit. 1,100 gigawatts. So the chances of that actually being put to use is kind of insane to think about, but the idea apparently did inspire the creation of the harp facility down the line to see like, Hey, what can we do Mm. with this little plasma Mm. stuff? You know? So I could see why people like point to that and say they're controlling the weather. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is like, maybe they are, maybe this actually did become used, but there aren't any power plants around the harp facility that would suggest that they've got enough power to be using Mm. anything there like that. Mm -hmm. My big skepticism but, comes from the fact that if you had that technology, you could really extort everyone. You know what I mean? Well, you could. Yeah. And well, that's, and, and I, when I was reading this, it's like I'm just taking, like, I just have to take these people for their word. Hmm. But when you Google this, if you, if you Google harp conspiracies, all that comes up is all of these conspiracy theories are debunked, which is what a company that might have technology like that would want you to think like oh we can't control the weather you know what i mean 
So I tried to find some opposing ideas just so that I could have like both sides of the story. And I ended up, you guys, in a Quora thread, of course. (laughs) It's the only place that I could find any like anything that was opposing to, hey, scientists have debunked all of these things and that harp is not controlling the weather. So, yeah, I I have lots of thoughts about the things that I read. Let's hear it. Well, one thing that I will mention is that when I was reading all the debunk articles, they were very condescending about anybody who might think that the weather can be controlled. Hmm. Like they basically wrote off anybody who thinks that harp can be used for these things as just complete morons and tinfoil hat conspiracists and, you know, crazy people. Not a great way to convince people. Exactly. And mm-hmm. that's my that's my argument here is that if you are trying to bring somebody over to your side and your your train of thought, calling them stupid is not going to <laughs> do anything okay. other than cement their thoughts even further. Yeah, pretty right. ineffective. Well, then at the same, on the same side, on the other side of things, in this Quora thread, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not even going to mention the name of the Quora thread. I'm sure you could find it. But there were some people who, like, the posts were, like, so long. And there's lots of capitalization and mm. words that were uh, bolded out and misspelled. And mm. when you're trying to make a point about how, you know, anybody who... It, when when you call people who don't believe in weather manipulation sheep and followers and morons for just following the herd, that's also not going to help your case. Exactly. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, to me, the threads were just... I could see why people would think that maybe some of these ideas are a little out there. But what I got from the very end of it was, at least amongst most of the threads that were like, they are doing weather conspiracy theory, is that it all kind of went back to Nikola Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the theories were that Nikola Tesla had actually created some type of device that could create free energy for everybody. And that that could also be used and extended to create something that could manipulate the weather in certain ways and affect communications and do all of these things that supposedly some people claim HARP has done in the past or is doing. And so Nikola Tesla died under semi-mysterious circumstances, right? Yep. And then his entire body of work disappeared, was confiscated. Mm Mm-hmm. And then only like part of it, like a very tiny portion of it was returned to right. his family. I'm so going it's to like, sold now. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And so so that was something that it's like, okay, that is very, very bizarre. And again, James, as you said, if you do have the type of technology that can cripple countries and, you know, wipe out the food supplies for people so that they then have to pay for all of their food from, you know, whoever's crippling their economy and they're you know sending droughts or whatnot why would you want anyone to know about that so Mm. do i think that harp controls the weather i don't know i have no idea but there's a lot of stuff out there that is very very odd but also it's just hard for me to fathom that something like harp could be doing something like that i Uh. i don't know I, okay. I have no idea where I stand. So okay. any that is harp, you guys. All right. Well, I'm kind of going to build off that a little bit. Okay, do it. It's kind of like you said. There seems like to be some sort of uh, 
po- there seems to be a possibility that this could maybe happen. Uh, but I would say there's certainly an inevitability uh, to weather manipulation. Uh, it's definitely coming, if not already here. I don't really don't think it's quite here yet. Um, now, there is a big incident that a lot of people seem to think is maybe one of the first documented, at least we think, successful attempts to modify the weather in like a almost warfare capacity. Now, it wasn't used in a war, but its application could easily be applied into such a scenario. So, in 2013, uh, Typhoon Haiyan hit the Philippines, and it was recorded to be the strongest storm ever. So, ever. Wow. Uh, It it had 195 miles per hour sustained winds with 235 miles per hour gusts. Golly. So, this thing was, again... A monster. Supposed to be the strongest storm ever. Not just in the Philippines. And the storm was weird uh, because, well, there's a lot of really weird things. So the storm was strange because inherently of its strength. Immediately Mm -hmm. that's a bit of a... You know, these types of things are going to happen eventually. But it's something to immediately kind of look into. (laughs) But then there's this strange thing that happens near Guam. Which is a bit north. Uh, the storm forms at kind of the, the back end. So it's slamming in a straight line into the Philippines. But what's weird is right when things seem to be just going straight, you'll see a blip on the, uh, on the, the yeah, sorry, radar? on the radar. And once that blip happens, very quickly, a spiral will appear in the storm, creating a cyclone. And it happens four times during this. And each time it happens, it makes the entire storm more powerful, and it creates rotation in the storm, creating these cyclones. <clears throat> and it happens four times. There's Honestly, there are four pretty clear blips. Um, I had to, I did have to watch the video several times to kind of understand like what I'm looking for. And then I saw it. I was like, oh, there it is. And now I see it every time. And so once I saw that, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So it creates this. The idea is that there's some sort of microwave spiral shape that hits this storm. And essentially the storm looks like it lapses back on itself and then creates that rotation. <laughs> um, it's kind of cool looking. Um so once it folds back, it creates more cyclones. And there's actually some documentation before this storm hit where two major storms had actually formed in the area within 48 hours. Now, this is before this one. But within 48 hours, in which, again, similar things occur. There's these pulses inside the storms which create this rotation inside. <laughs> so it's a little strange. Very. This um, is like uh, G.I. Joe Cobra stuff. Yeah, and, and these and these pulses are coming from the same area, um, and they look like they're microwaves. But again, it's very strange looking. But it's uh, it's strange. So now, now what's near Guam? Well, a lot of space observatory outposts, of course, um, including some owned by NASA. Now, Stanford also has got, actually has some space out there. Uh, there's some missile defense, and Russia has a nice little slice of the area as well. 
Um, but really, one of the bigger ones is U.S. Space Command is up there. And what they have here is a big satellite communications facility with dual domes and whole bunch of other fancy gadgets that probably CC mentioned earlier. Uh, frankly, I don't really quite understand it, but they've got a lot of stuff up here. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of stuff up here. If people want to look into this a little bit more, if they really want to see the uh, the radar clips and listen to somebody who sounds like they know what they're doing, I mean, they've had a YouTube channel for a long time. They've got like 600,000 subscribers, and it's amazing. I looked at his video from tw- uh, 2013 and compared it to one of his videos from this year. And like that man has done some serious upgrading. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a pretty sweet setup now. Now he records. I mean, he records this kind of stuff, but he also documents all um, earthquakes and things like that. So he's got all kinds of things. And, and it's not all like, a, as far as I can tell, it's not all conspiracy type things. It's just like documenting, like weird. Like he's just documenting things, and then if there's something odd with it, he points it out. <laughs> um, and his name was. Dutch Sensei. So, but it's D U T C H S I N S E. So, I probably said it wrong. Um, and his video is titled 11 8 2013 Microwave Pulse Gives Birth to Typhoon Haiyan. And then in the Philippines, they, they called this Storm Yolanda. I remember that. Yeah. So pretty, pretty brutal and crazy uh, typhoon. Now, there's also I want to ta- I want to tackle one other theory, and that's a theory that's maybe a little bit closer to home for us, CC. Oh, yeah. Now it was actually before we made our way down to Georgia, but I'm sure a lot of people in the U.S. especially remember news stories from 2016 where everybody in Atlanta got trapped on the on the highway due to roads uh, with just uh, just a little bit of ice and snow, but down the south. A little bit goes a long way. Um, now, one theory about what caused this is that it's just a normal weather phenomenon. Now, the other theory is that, well, maybe a heart facility in Alaska was responsible for this strange so weather. I mean, two guys were so sold on this idea that they plotted a domestic terrorist plot by a bunch of weapons. Uh, if they bought a bunch of weapons, they were going to drive all the way to Canada and do, you know, some pretty bad stuff. I mean, these guys had, like I said, they had weapons, they had flat jackets, they had meth, <laughs> and a bunch of marijuana. Um, so, <laughs> the most notable thing about this facility, like you mentioned, Cece, at this time, uh, the Harp Research Facility was now owned by the University of Alaska. And like you said, it does come with some pretty powerful technology. Yeah. Now, they thought that it manipulates weather, like you said, controls minds, and they also thought, these two guys in particular, that it even traps the souls of people. Traps the souls of people? I hadn't seen that. Yes. This isn't a police report. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Southern Poverty Law Firm. Um, Now, what's funny, though, is that the end of the article is almost like, it almost feels like a wink and a nudge. Uh, and this is from a spokesperson with the university. And th- she said the university is hard at, hard at dispelling conspiracy theories and that they are attempting to convince the people that the multi-million dollar facility is capable of, quote, 
some very interesting science, end quote, related to the aurora and ionosphere. Why would you, why would you say that? Why would you say some very interesting science? <laughs> it's just like you just had a terrorist threat and you were like poking the bear. They're like, we don't care. Yeah. You can control Amazing. the weather. You can do anything you that's, want. That's right. That's right. So it, was, was Alaska responsible? I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. I've seen how people here handle a little bit of ice. <laughs> I'm telling you. A snowflake and everybody freezes. Yeah, down here. Oof. But I remember when I worked in news, we had to report on Snowmageddon. And <laughs> people were stuck on the highway down here for literally days. Yeah, days. Well, I had a friend that was stuck down here. Pretty funny. I, well, I was talking to a client the other day who was stuck stuck on the <laughs> highway for hours. That'd be awful. Yeah, it would be awful. But I don't know if uh, if I necessarily think that weather manipulation is to the extent that some people think it is but no, china china's trying to make strides I'm sure, well, I'm sure we are too yeah, I'm sure yeah i was going to say this is a bit of an arms race a secret arms race which is the neatest kind <laughs> uh, okay i need to watch that movie geostorm hmm? we never watched that Ge- james have you seen geostorm it's mm-hmm. where their weather i think it's like a weather manipulation satellite goes haywire uh, personal confession: I hate weather movies. Hate weather. Why movies. do you hate weather movies? They're just so boring to me. I like a villain that I can empathize with. I can't empathize with a tidal wave. What if it? No, but what if it's an AI? Uh, well, this that's is like different. A rogue, Geostorm is like a rogue AI. Actually, I think it's a terrorist. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, gee. I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it, it, I'm, I am saying it's up my alley. <laughs> 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 and I also want to see this Moonfall movie. Looks nuts. It looks insane. It looks Alex. hilariously ridiculous. I cannot wait. It's just mm. one of the dumbest, most fun looking things I've seen in a while. If it if it's a movie, Alex is there. That's also true. Yes. <laughs> well, you guys, that's weather manipulation. Uh, James, what are your thoughts? Do you think? What do you think? I think it's possible, albeit unlikely. Um, but I also think that if somebody had that kind of tech. They all wouldn't want people to know. They would simply operate in secret and just run everything behind the scenes. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I think you're right. I don't think it's really quite possible right now, yeah. but I do think it is inevitable. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I I don't think it's happening right now. That's all that I can really say. Mm-hmm. But Again, nature always wins in the end, so I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. We'll see when we annihilate the planet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see who won that one. Well, <laughs> I think it's time for us to hop off here and get some chocolate. But before we do that, doo, 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 doo. Alex, draw from the vase. All right. What are we talking about next week? Oh, wow. Super secret spies with an exclamation mark from Jan in Ohio. From Jan nice. in Ohio. Okay. So we're going to talk about secret spies next week. We've never done a spy episode, have we? That'd be very interesting. Ooh. Alex is very There's a inspired. Lot of opportunity Jan. Here. I can't wait to talk about James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> One of his favorite movies, I'm telling you. All right, you guys. Well, next week we're gonna talk about secret spies. Also, we know now that Grant, the creator of our music, 
he does have a precious baby boy at home now. Oh, so welcome congrats. to the world, baby Jamie. And congratulations, Grant. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook, who has a baby now. You can find his music <laughs> on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. Spotify. Anywhere you listen <laughs> to music. So, you guys, until next week, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. straight. Yeah.